helping business leaders grow themselves, their team, and their profits. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. Now, here is your host, Ken Coleman. We are broadcasting from the Music City, and we're thrilled to have you aboard. Thank you so much for the download. Here's what's coming up in our second episode of the new year. My goodness, can you believe it? Already the second week of January. Chris Hogan, who stopped by in December, one of our Ramsey personalities, uh, he's going to be back, and we uh, recorded this conversation recently, and you are going to love this because we're going to talk about how do you avoid money traps and blind spots in your business, and we talk about how you set goals plan properly so you can execute in personal and professional areas when it comes to money. So this is very, very timely stuff, and uh, we're excited because as we release this, Chris's book, Retire Inspired, is releasing soon to be a New York Times bestseller. We'll keep you posted on that, and we'll tell you more about the book a little bit later. But that conversation is our feature conversation. And then, really excited to also bring you a young entrepreneur, Brittany Turner, 27-year-old CEO and founder of Aerial Development here in the Music City. Fantastic story, really inspiring. You'll hear that conversation as well. Hey, folks, uh, the podcast grew in 2015, and we have you to thank for that. Uh, But very, very briefly, I want to ask you, if you are a fan, this podcast adds value to you. We want you to make sure that you're subscribing, rating, and commenting on iTunes. Essentially, folks, this is a digital form of word of mouth, right? This is how things spread. And digitally, it's important on iTunes to help us grow this thing. We'd love to get this in front of many eyeballs and into ears as possible. So help us out on iTunes. Again, uh, give us a rating. Subscribe if you haven't already subscribed. And certainly leave a comment. We appreciate that very much. This episode is powered by Infusionsoft, thrilled to partner with them so that they can serve you, the small business man and woman. Infusionsoft.com slash entree, infusionsoft.com slash entree. And I got to tell you, very excited for February. That's all I'm going to say. They've got some very exciting offers, free tools, incredible assets that they're going to be bringing to you on a monthly basis. We're really excited about it. So stay tuned for that. Well, Chris Hogan has become a dear friend. You know him very well if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time. He was hosting this podcast and then began to move on, and I had the opportunity to come in because he was completely laser-focused on a burning passion, and that's to help people finish well. Retirement is a huge space, so his new book, Retire Inspired, hits stores everywhere as this podcast is first uploaded January 11th. And so we'd love for you to check all that out. I'll tell you a little bit more about the book after the conversation. But this is important stuff. Get out your pens. Get out something to write on. Here's Chris Hogan. Well, Chris, uh, we had you on in December. We talked about the book. And congrats, by the way. Very exciting to see this book out there. We'll give you folks updates as all the numbers come rolling in. But uh, we want to talk about maybe one of the most important issues that leaders face, and that is budgeting, money traps, things like that, because you know in small business, my goodness, if you don't handle the money right, you may never truly fulfill what you're called to fulfill in your business. So let's talk about some blind spots. Well, blind spots, Ken, I'll never forget. For me, I think back to my football days, and and you're a football guy as well. Oh, I love football. You love football, and we've all seen blindside hits on the football field. Oh, wicked. You know know what we used to call them? Decleaters. You know what that meant? (laughs) 
I think it means you hit him so hard his cleats come off his shoes. Okay, not not no? quite. That's okay. possible. That's I'm talking about one of those where you don't see something coming and you literally cleats come out of the ground. Oh. You get decleated. <laughs> now it's funny when it's happening to someone else. Yeah, when I'm watching it. There you go. But it's not funny when you experience it. So I want to help people avoid some of these blind spots in their business. Number one, live below your means, Ken. And here's what I'm saying with this. Leaders out there, we have this tendency to have no fear. Mm -hmm. And so we want to always feel like we can accomplish. And that's a good thing. The danger is, is when lifestyle gets out of whack and now you need every dime you're bringing in, there's a problem. So what I want you to do is have an understanding of the baseline. What does it take for you to keep the doors of your home open? How do you operate your home? I want you to make sure you're living below that amount with your income. That way you can make progress in other areas. Now, I want to ask you a quick question here. We're going to keep going through several of these. But uh, why is this such a difficult thing for us in business? Is it the extra temptation to feel like, well, i got to spend some to make some, and so we think, well, it's a worthy expenditure? Well, I think it's a little bit of that, and I think it's also the most dangerous one is this deserve mentality. Oh, yeah. You ever been to Deserve Island? Oh, many times. I mean, that's where you work hard, you sacrifice, and you feel like you deserve to be able to do some stuff. Now, listen to me. I want you to do some stuff, but I don't want you doing it all for the sake of stuff. I don't want stuff to have you. So have some boundaries in your life. Have some margin and make sure that, hey, I'm enjoying some, but I'm making sure that I'm moving forward for the sake of my family. All right. So once we figure out, okay, this is that line. This is where I need to be in our business so that we can keep this thing alive. What do we do next? Well, I think next is you got to have a plan. And on the plan side, there's two types. I think there's uh, the strategic side, and that's the sitting down and the looking forward. But then, Ken, there's the important side, and you and I know this, the tactical. Mm -hmm. This is the doing. And so what I want people to do is to have a plan in mind for your business. Have a plan in mind for your family and the things you want to accomplish. I don't want you just working hard to work hard. I want you to be intentional. I want to ask you about this. I, I see this a lot. We tend to get really lost, make poor decisions when we react. And I'm asking you this, when we have a plan, does it help kind of put a fence up from situations that we know are going to happen and we don't react because we go back to the plan and we say, what does the plan say? And it informs us. What do you think about that? I think you're absolutely right. That planning helps us to be able to be proactive. That way now you're happening to your day. You're happening to your business instead of being reactive, which means now every time a squirrel pops up or there's an issue, you're suddenly off track. And so stay focused so you can move forward. All right, so one of the things you talk about all the time here is when we don't have a plan, we tend to get in debt. Yes. And bottom line, for those people maybe who knew to the Entree Leadership they audience, maybe, yes. what do we think about debt in business, Chris? I'm going to tell you, debt is not your friend. It's a thief. Like, think about that. Like, have you ever been robbed? Thankfully, no. Okay, me neither. Okay, but I've lost some stuff before. Have you oh, ever misplaced a wallet or my keys? keys and wallet? It's a daily thing. Pray for Stacy. <laughs> I, by I the way. will pray for your wife. Yes. But listen, debt is a thief because it steals from your income. It steals away from your progress. It steals away from you moving your business forward. Don't look at it like a friend. I want you to see it for what it is. It is a thief. So what I want people to do is, if you're sitting out there with debt, I don't want you to feel bad, but I want you to have a plan on how you're going to relieve this situation. I want you to get intentional. So I want you to list your debt smallest to biggest and attack the little one and then move down the list. This will give you a raise. I'm going to repeat that. Getting out of debt will give you a raise. 
You don't have to go out and work harder. What you need to do is let's keep more of the money that you're already making instead of giving it to other people. All right, I love that we're talking about this because there's no difference between the personal plan that Dave teaches and the business plan when it comes to this kind of stuff. Uh, another way to avoid massive problems in business is to build that emergency fund. Dave tells a story I want you to share. He tells a story, I think, all the time at the luncheons we do at Entree Leadership, the time that Sharon walked in. This is early in the business. Oh, you know yes. the story. Tell that story and yes. how that how does that apply? Well, it was one of those things where it was early on in the business and the company they were having an issue. They were cash short on some things. And Sharon, who will speak truth and is not scared, sat and she was involved in those meetings at the time. And she looked at him and she said, well, you all are hypocrites, and which is just hilarious. Yeah, right? Only Dave's wife can say that. Pretty much. Yeah. You guys are hypocrites. And Dave's like, why? And she said, well, you talk about having a plan and having an emergency fund. And you guys are telling people all around the country about this, but you don't have one. And Dave literally at that moment looked around at the other EVPs and he said, you know what, guys, she's right. And so from that day forward, they made sure that there was margin. They made sure. Now, Ken, in business, there's a different name for an emergency fund. It's called retained earnings. And so that's literally what it means. I'm going to earn some money, but I'm going to retain some. So if I have an emergency, I've got money to be able to reach and get and not have to stress out. Okay, so we get this question a lot. I'm going to pose this on behalf of some people that I think are asking this question right now. What do you say to the business owner or business leader who they're running things so tight that realistically, as it stands right now, now they can make some of these changes, but what do you advise when they go, we, we just don't have enough margin to put enough away? Mm-hmm. A, I don't think that's true, but B... Where do they start? Well, I think the first thing is to first start off with making a decision that you realize it's necessary. I think when we make those decisions and we realize, hey, there's something I need that I don't have, what do go-getters do? They start to make a plan on how they're going to get it. And that would be the same thing I would tell business owners out there. You may not be able to see it right now, but when you sit down and you look at your, your pipeline in business you start to look at your networking and the business development you're doing, you start to realize that, hey, if you'll just put the pedal to the metal right now when other people are checked out and you'll start to move forward, I guarantee you within the next three months, you can come up with X dollar amount because you're being more intentional. Mm, I love that. All right, so we've talked about uh, the emergency fund. Let's move forward here a little bit. Diversification, what does that mean? I mean, I, I think of diversification and I think investing. Yes, Absolutely. And it simply means to spread around. Uh, We have too many people that they're going all in on the business and they're not doing anything to help themselves outside of the business. And so I'm talking about investing on the personal side. You want to make sure that you're understanding the options you have available to you if you're a business owner or a leader. If you work for a company, then you know you have the opportunity for a 401k which simply means you can put money aside for the future. But if you're self-employed, you have an opportunity for a SEP, a self-employed pension plan, or also IRAs or even a solo 401k, depending upon how many employees you have. So what I would encourage them to do is to sit down, talk to an investment professional, one of our ELPs, and start to gain an understanding of your options. Okay. Now, I I want to move forward into a huge issue, and this is kind of neat because – We haven't talked about this a lot on this podcast, and uh, that is succession. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we've heard all these neat leadership books talk about a leader's job is to eventually replace themselves. And we all shake our head and go, that's right, that's right. Yet leaders don't just, they just don't do this very well. Yeah, there's a couple of reasons. Succession starts to let the leader know that they're no longer important. Yeah, that's not fun. And that's not fun, and it's also not true. 
Right. When you are focused on succession, what you're saying is, is that the business and the team means enough that you're going to put an emergency plan in place if something were to happen to you or when it's time for you to move on. And so that takes being intentional. And you want to start to think that through. That's not something that you're going to do and wake up the one day and just do it. But it needs to be a thought process, a thing that you're moving down and going, okay, what is it? A lot of leaders out there have kids that are working in their business. And so maybe one day they want to hand it off to them. What I want them to do is to actually hand it off. That means the person that's been running it, the owner of the business, is running it. But when you hand it off, you want to hand it off to somebody that's already moving in that direction. Yes. So you can help that individual who's going to take the baton from you by starting to prepare them. Have them come to an E1D. Have them read Entree Leadership. Start to help them learn to think like you think because that's what's helped you get to where you are. This is such a huge issue because we know this. Such a tragic thing when a small business that was doing so great and thriving sputters and ultimately fails because the leader didn't do what was necessary so that when they leave, this is a legacy type thing. It really is, Ken. And when you put it that way and you talk to business owners, they look at it and they go, well, of course I want this business to be successful. Then we tell them, then you want to take the steps to give it every opportunity to be successful. Don't hinder your business by not doing this. All right. So talking succession, that leads to exiting. Yes. Another tough. It's like walking into a spider web. Yes. And when it's done wrong, I think when a leader or an owner out there understands that, hey, when I exit, I want it to be on my terms. Uh, But I've seen scenarios where there were health issues or things that caused it to be done a lot quicker than later. So it goes back to the succession. But I want you to start to think about your exit strategy because maybe you've got other things on your heart that Mm -hmm. you want to go do. Maybe there are some other things that you get excited about. I got one gentleman I worked with. He loves his real estate business. You know what he does? He comes into the office two days a week. He's got his two boys that are running it now. And he comes in and he's able to be the businessman when he wants. But then he's also able to go back and get on that boat that he loves so much. And so for him, he's still in, but he's in on his terms. And that's what I want more leaders to have. I want you to have the option to be able to do it on your terms, Mm -hmm. not have somebody else tell you. And that's a big thing. And it changes the spirit of it. Now it's not being taken away from you, but you're setting it up to be able to hand it off. All right, I want to ask a question around these last two points because it's so important, succession and then that ultimate exit, whatever that looks like. Chris, it is so important that leaders understand that it's not all about what you did while you were there. It's almost as much about what it's like when you leave. That is just as much a reflection on us men and women as leaders as it is what we did when we're there. Am I right? I, you are absolutely so 100% right. So these two things right. are huge to it get really, right. It really, And it also, I think we saw this with Dave starting several years ago. When you start to look at it and you understand the message or the product or service that you're doing out there in your community is bigger than you. Yes. It's more important than just you. And so because of that, you want to make sure you're giving it every opportunity to outlive you, which means you're doing the things that are necessary, growing leaders, pushing the senior leadership, bringing in new people, millennials. Everybody talks about millennials don't work hard. That's not true. Yeah, that's You're right. just talking to the wrong millennials. That's right. They're out there. They're hustling. They're busting it. And they're bringing new and fresh ideas to the market. Embrace them and get them in plugged into the message and why they're motivated to join your mission. When that happens, you're giving that business an opportunity to grow forward. Before we let you go, final thought from you. Head and heart. You're talking to this audience. You know this audience well. You talk to this audience for a long time. You see them at events. You're passionate about people. Specifically, you're passionate about leaders. 
What would you say to these folks as they are kicking off a brand new year? Hmm. What would you say from Chris Hogan to these folks? What would you encourage them with? Well, Ken, I've met them. I've seen them. I've looked at them eyeball to eyeball and sat with them kneecap to kneecap. These are hardworking men and women. These are men and women that are not fearful of sacrifice. They're not scared to bust it and work hard. And so I want them to be, this is my word for 2016, intentional. Mm. When you're intentional, there's no wasted motions. There are no wasted resources. Everything you do has a purpose. And so as we move forward, one of the things I really want to encourage them to do with the book Retire Inspired, I want you to build your own wealth outside of the business. I want you to have your own personal wealth. Why? So if you do have a kid that's in the business and you want to hand off that baton, I'm not handing them the baton and some loan documents to be able to sign and take the business from me or buy it from me. I want you to build enough wealth outside of your business that you can hand the keys to them when the time comes. Or maybe you're going to work till you can't work anymore. Either way, I want you to have options. And the only way you earn options is by being intentional. Speaking of intentional, this man that you're hearing from is as intentional as anybody I know. I love him. I respect him. If you've been to an Entree Leadership event or a Smart Money event or a Retire Inspired event, you've heard him tell the story of his future as he sat down with his beautiful <laughs> wife, Melissa, and they've talked about what it's like in the future as grandparents. They're a long way from that. They're, their boys are young, but he's calling himself Big Pop, and it has stuck. So you know him as Chris Hogan. We know him as Big Pop. And uh, don't forget the brand-new book. Retire Inspired is out. You can get it wherever books are sold or DaveRamsey.com is where we'd love for you to go. And uh, it is a must-buy. Run. Go get it. Get online. Get it. It will literally change your life. Big Pop, always good to have you in studio, buddy. Hey, thank you for having me, my friend. He is, in fact, Chris Hogan. Again, one more reminder, you can get the book wherever books are sold, online, and in bookstores, and of course, DaveRamsey.com. The book is Retire Inspired. Uh, jump on it. This is a must read for 2016. Also, really excited to give you some other free resources that we love to do on this podcast. We're going to give you the Goal Tracker. Now, we gave this away back in the summer of 2015, and it was a wild response. But we've revised it, and we're really excited about this. So here's the Goal Tracker tool. It's free, and here's what you get. The Goal category, action plan, target date. These are the categories within the tracker that really helps you define the goal, the category, the action plan, the target date. This allows you to get specific and create a strategic plan. Then Chris Hogan is going to give you an article that he wrote, five goal setting secrets. So you get the goal tracker, which again, very, very applicable, extremely easy to use, along with an article from Chris on five goal-setting secrets you need to read so they can use the Goal Tracker tool effectively. Absolutely free. Here's what you do. You're going to text the word HOGAN360, HOGAN360 to 33444. That's HOGAN360 to 33444, and you'll get the PDF download of the Goal Tracker and the article, and this will really be great. If you're international or just want to access this online, you can go to this episode at entreeleadership.com slash podcast. That's entreeleadership.com slash podcast. Click on this episode, and you can sign up there for the Goal Tracker and the free articles. Go do that now. Hey, the Entree Leadership Master Series that you've heard us talk a lot about has got a new format, and we're really stoked about it. Events March 13 through 17, 2016. Four days here at Ramsey Solutions World Headquarters in the Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. 
Dave, along with Chris Ogan and Christy Wright, will be teaching the lessons that have come out of the book, have come out of the everyday philosophy and tactical plan that have grown Ramsey Solutions from a card table in Dave's living room to where it is today. But here's what we're doing that's different. The final day, the fourth day, we're going to dedicate to implementation of everything you've learned over the previous three days. New format, but good, good stuff. Gold, as always. And we want you to sign up. We'd love to have you here. It's going to sell out. It always does. So jump on it right now. EntreeLeadership.com slash EMS. EntreeLeadership.com slash EMS. Easily one of the benefits of this gig is the conversations I get to have with the people that we showcase for you. And it's so fun when you sit down and talk to people that are on fire, on purpose, and they are just making things happen. And they come in all shapes and sizes, ages, colors, the whole nine yards. But it is so inspiring, quite frankly, when I think of my boys and my daughter, I think about their future, seeing them at a young age accomplish a lot of things and get further down the path so that they've laid the foundation to a life of significance. So when I come across a young person, and Brittany Turner is 27 years old, and specifically when I meet a young lady who is just breaking barriers, I mean, there's no holding this gal back. It fires me up, fires me up for my daughter, Josie. And so this is one of those unbelievable young ladies. Five years, Brittany has gone from living in her car to doing $30 million in revenue with $120 million in developing assets. You're going to hear about her business, but more importantly, you're going to hear about her story and how she has achieved what she has achieved, what she has overcome. And this is going to inspire you. This is my conversation with Brittany Turner, the CEO and founder of Aerial Development. So, Brittany, great to have you in here. Let's go back. Before we hear the story of the business, I want to hear the story of the woman behind the business. And so we were talking a little bit before we started recording. Uh, you're kind of an anomaly. Your words, not mine. You kind of have these weird things like beauty pageant and then MMA fighter at the same time. This is just one chapter of your life. Mm-hmm. This is what I speak of. There's two very different sides to me, I, I, I guess you could say. Yeah. You can be classy and hardcore at the same time. And that is cool because you can you know, go on a mission trip and you can also hang out with billionaires. Yeah. And you can hold your own in both places and just understand that way of life because it's a part of you. And if you stay in either one too long, you, you're not comfortable, but bouncing back and forth is fun. All right. What was your childhood like? I grew up on a farm. Okay. I'm one of six kids, incredible parents. Grew up listening to Dave Ramsey, which is did fun Did you too. really? Yeah, of course we That's did. Fun. My parents are obsessed with them. He's <laughs> awesome. Do they know you're here today? I spoke at the UN and all these like yeah. really high level cool places. They didn't care about any no. about that. I They're told them about, about this. Dave. They were pumped. So it was really good cute. for them. Yeah, it was cute. All right. So this is fun. So at what point do you realize that you're an entrepreneur? I don't think I realized it till way later on. I What is way later on? I mean, for heaven's sakes, you're 27. I know. So what's way later well, on? I, I had a very huge heart from childhood. I always cared about the innocent, defending the innocent. And that's where the fighter comes in. It's sure. not from anger or anything like that. It's just to be able to protect the yeah. innocent. And if you study entrepreneurs at all, you'll realize that most of them are entrepreneurs from frustration. That's right. Frustration. They is, want to fix something. It 
you got to fix something and you get really passionate about it because you're really upset. And so I went on a mission trip in 2006. It was my first time to Kenya. And I thought originally I was just going to move over there. That was my plan because that's the only piece that the Lord showed me. Mm -hmm. And if anybody listening understands how God works, he normally doesn't give you the whole puzzle. That's right. So he gave me this piece and I go over there and I'm more frustrated because I realized, yay, we took some pictures with kids, fed them and Mm -hmm. built part of a school and we left. And these people need jobs. Like they need opportunity that all these issues are stemming from poverty. And I didn't really do anything. Mm -hmm. And so that is when I realized I'm going to have to get some more skills before I try to just come over here and live. What am I really going to do that's actually going to change something? So I went to a ministry and survival school. They're actually together. Um, to go learn how to survive because I thought I was just going to be the person that kicks in the door. and Yeah, you're going to be the female Bear Grylls. Yeah, pretty much. I love Bear Grylls. <laughs> he does some gross stuff, though. He really does. <laughs> so I went to the survival school, and um, I thought I was going to live in a mud hut forever, and I just needed a husband that was willing to live, <laughs> live oh, over man. there with me. Yeah, you set your sights high. And we were talking earlier. I actually thought it was bad to be rich back right. then. I didn't think that those people were called by God. Yeah. But this guy came in who's a millionaire. And we had leaders from all over the world come in and speak to our class. And I skipped the first day because I'm like, well, nothing this guy has to say will ever apply to my life. Yeah, right. He's too rich. He's way too rich. So I skipped it like a good student. And I didn't realize like a good student, he was speaking two days in a row. So <laughs> I'm in the class in the back being totally disruptive. So he says, who in here has been on a mission trip? I raised my hand. He said, who in here had to raise money to go on that mission trip? Mm -hmm. I raised my hand. And he said, who in here did not enjoy that experience? And of course I raised my hand. I hated that. It was terrible. I basically made enemies of all my friends and family trying to get over there. It's like the first step of network marketing. Right. Oh, God. It was so bad. So he said, did you know you can buy a house and if your mortgage payment is $900 a month, and you rent it out for $1,200 a month, you get to keep that $300. He said, do that 10 times, you can live in Africa, and you never have to send a sponsorship letter again. And I was like, Jane, yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm doing this. Mm. So I just talked to my uh, survival team leader, and he said, you need to get skills before you move over there, and you need to have some kind of resources. So I said, well, I don't want to be old when I move to Africa. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to figure out how to do this between 18 and 26. Because in the process, I had learned you can buy apartment complexes and the cash flow from that is so big, you could actually build orphanages and make a real difference. Mm -hmm. And so that was the biggest I could possibly dream. This is the next piece of the puzzle. And so I'm like, I'm getting in and it's 2007. Wow. Hello. <laughs> I and I don't watch TV, so I yeah, didn't know didn't it was know, like right. global economic meltdown. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was so bad. So everything I touched for three years was a total failure. I tried so many things and I desperately wanted to get into real estate because this is like the thing. And college didn't teach you how to how to do this. So I didn't go to college. I went $35,000 in debt on all my different ventures because I'm like, I'll live on this credit card until this closes and nothing, nothing went through. I lost a lot of friends. I had a lot of people really mad at me and I was officially Mm. a stamped failure loser. Yeah. So you, you, we understand where this passion came from. Mm -hmm. 
So when does aerial development start? Obviously, I guess it started in those humble days of just kind of launching into real estate. But at what point does aerial development group happen? And what was the business model like at that point? Aerial, actually, so I'm living in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I end up having to work at the Cheesecake Factory. Oh, my gosh. I, for a year, and I would study 12 hours a day. Any real estate book I could get my hands on, wow. anything was the best thing in the world to me. But I would call the We Buy Houses signs and say, can I work for you for free? I just want to learn. And they're like, get out of the market. So I'm working at the Cheesecake Factory. And I remember praying and I said, God, I need $350 to make my mortgage payment. I worked for nine hours and I made $7 and change that night. It was the worst night ever. Mm. And I remember screaming at God and I said, why am I here? I'm smarter than this. I know you've got more for me. And I thought it was real estate. Why am I here? And I heard loud and clear, because I want to bless you. Mm. And I, I shook the change in my pocket. And I go, really? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And I walk off. Right at that minute, these two guys and a girl walked in. And I begged the host, please let me have this table. I need just $5. And they ended up being real estate investors. I said, I'm going to be a real estate investor someday. I'm 20 at the time. And they said, yeah, right. You probably read Cosmo Girl magazine. And I said, actually, I read Success magazine. And they said, well, you're probably listening to Hanson on CD in your car. You're too young to care about this stuff. And I said, actually, I'm listening to Think and Grow Rich, the audiobook. So they start drilling me. Next thing I know, uh, they invite me to a conference where I offered to work for one of the speakers who needed an assistant. Right. And they said, you have to move to Nashville. And so that's how I got to Nashville. Wow. I worked for that person for 60 days okay. before they fired me because they changed positions. And I can't tell my family, I can't tell everybody, everybody's already telling me I was an idiot for being in real estate. And so the day I got fired, I met two guys. They were rehabbers. They flipped houses. Yeah. And so I offered to work for them for free if they would teach me. So I worked 18 hours a day. The only way I survived was running out their portfolio of really rough <laughs> rentals right. and I made a little commission but I worked for free and lived in my car on and off for nine months and at the end I knew how to find houses how to manage the rehab how to sell them and it was really really good experience and during this time the Lord was changing my heart from being a taker to learning how to serve first mm -hmm. and that was kind of the three years of nothing working that was when I was just broken as a person and it became never about the money and when you're that broke and that just hungry, literally starving, I lost like 20 pounds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, well, there's no cheesecake. You want to survive and just, I just need $500. I just need $5,000. And when you don't get it, you learn how to work and serve to bless versus working and trying to serve through manipulation and doing it for money. Okay. At the end of the nine months, <laughs> at the end of nine months, uh, I had to go off on my own. And that's where Ariel was birthed. Okay. So I want to pause here for a second because the application here, folks, is so big for those of you that are launching something, about to launch something, you're in the early stages of it. Uh, parents, oh my gosh, parents, this is huge. Brittany, I love what you just said. I want to go back here because I want you to just expound on this some more. But when you really want something badly enough, you're going to have to sacrifice. In your situation, it was sacrificing all the trappings of just being a young adult. You're sleeping in your car. You're barely making any money. You're losing weight. I mean, but but it wasn't about the money. It was about the knowledge. What I love yes. is two things. You went to these guys and said, I'll work for free if you teach me. That's number one. 
That's huge. But number two, it's staying the course and sacrificing for a period. Because the fact remains, nine months later, you're equipped. You're ready to roll. It was a tough, tough nine months. You can still remember that. I just want you to share that important concept for people who... I don't think you should do it, Brittany, if you aren't willing to sacrifice on that level. That's what I would say. You just won't make it. You just won't make it big. You might make it small. But if you haven't suffered hard enough to know where your heart is. Oh, folks, write that down. You'll never have the perseverance to make it because That's incredible. I just want this is this is really hard every day. Every single day I've wanted to quit for years because your heart won't let you so hard, but it's never been about me. Right. And it's never been about the money. I'm a multi multi millionaire since I was twenty four. But it's not about the money. Right. And if I hadn't been inspired at a really young age, and if I hadn't seen things I can't unsee and realize that my business is the vehicle that's going to help me create opportunity for those who have none, there's no way I would have done this for the money. I'm just not motivated by it. What I love is that this was the sole purpose for starting the business, the the story we're hearing so far, and, and the passion that kept you going. And very simply put, a percentage of the profits that you sell when you sell a home directly supports the very people that captured your heart in Africa. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. I want you to explain a little bit more uh, about how that works and why that's so important for your business. Our business really grew, well, two times. I'll tell that first story later, but it really grew when we went from using just a percentage of our profits to affect our global mission. Mm-hmm. We actually sponsor an orphan in the name of our homeowners for every home that we sell. Yeah. That's part of our global mission. Right. But then we have a huge local mission. And we've found that, I guess, when you're motivated to make a huge impact, just making money to make a difference actually wasn't enough for me. Right. It really wasn't because my heart was just to make a, you know, that's what drives me every mm-hmm. day. And so I found... I want to be walking in purpose every minute of the day. So how can we be more mindful in the way that we do business? Uh-huh. Everybody that's a quote-unquote stakeholder, the every single person we touch, the people building our houses, the buyers, the investors, the community, Nashville as a whole, how can we bless all of these people in the way that we do business as we're making money? And so we say that Ariel is a for-profit company dedicated to the urban revitalization and tackling social issues through the power of the built environment. We've seen that how development can transform everything everybody exists in. Oh, it's so true. So let's look at that. So uh, take an urban area in Nashville. Give us an example. Are you going in? Are you trying to do multiple houses in a certain neighborhood? And then when you do that, how does it really, because we hear that. Mm -hmm. I think we all agree that, you know, that does make change. But give us the practical on the ground change when that happens, when you go in and and maybe renovate a house. What's that look like? Well, in 2013, I went to Africa and I was with my mentor and we were, he was showing me a self-sustainable orphanage model. And how they buy land and they'll build a chicken farm, cow farm, and a big uh, vegetable garden. The, the cash flow that that produces from selling it in the marketplace actually covers the overhead for the orphanage. So I thought that was a really cool yeah, model. Yeah, sure. So I went with them to the second potential site 
And I, as we were doing the land deal, I watched how like the entire community was changing and how it created opportunity and all these businesses wanted to come in just because we were going to build an orphanage that actually made money as well. And I, I saw the, the power of development transforming and creating opportunity. And that's when it clicked for me that if you can create hotspots through development, then you can create opportunity. And so I said, how can I practice this when there's not a 35-hour one-way flight yeah, right. <laughs> involved? How can I yeah. practice it in my, my own backyard? There's a lot of development going on in Nashville, but we actually focus on really rough places that people don't want to live. Right. They've got cool economic indicators that say that this area could change, like it's close to downtown mm-hmm. or a park, but nobody wants to be there because the crime is so high. What we've done is we've, we pick out strategic areas and we actually work with the police and say, where are the drug dealers? Where is all the crime for that? Why is this a place that people don't feel safe to live? And we'll go buy the houses and tear them down, <laughs> tear them down or renovate them. Right. And through that, we've been able to totally rebrand neighborhoods and make them these incredible culture-filled areas. And the people that have lived there for years and want to stay living there, will, you know, we've renovated a lot of little old ladies' houses for And we've done street cleanups and built sidewalks and put in lights. And it's just been a really cool way to to transform a neighborhood. I love it. Okay, one of the other things I love is that through your company and the success you had, you gained a lot of attention. And you gained the attention of one billionaire who I think is the entrepreneur's entrepreneur. That's Sir Richard Branson. No, uh, that name's not a stranger to anybody listening to this podcast how did that come about? How did you get an invitation to go hang out with Sir Richard Branson? So this was eight years, seven, eight years ago. And just be careful what you put out there, people, because I was telling my friends and family literally that year, Richard Branson's the only famous person I've ever wanted to meet. I'm going to meet him. We're going to be friends and we're going to hang out and it's not going to be for a picture at a conference. So I was saying this and I randomly get a Facebook message from a girl I haven't spoken to in seven years and says, do you want to meet Richard Branson? And I freaked out. She happened to be on an island, met his wife. Sure. They became friends. Of course. It was crazy. And they said, look, we, we love entrepreneurs. We love pouring into entrepreneurs. And if you can put two, together a group mm-hmm. of 30 people, then we will spend the whole week with you. And so that is how I got invited. And I've since been invited back three more times. That's exactly right. I got to spend a lot of one-on-one time with him. And when you're around somebody like that, yeah. is so such a magnanimous thinker. I mean, it, this is a good example. I, I said, where do you see Virgin Galactic in the next five to 10 years? He said, well, um, realistically, we're going to have virgin hotels around the moon and you'll be able to go up there for about seven, 10 days and it'll just be a lovely vacation and it will be affordable. And I'm like, what? You mean on the moon, right? He said, no, no, no. Based on the gravitational pull, it needs to be in the orbit of the moon. It's just somebody that thinks so outside of the box of things that have never been done before. He Mm -hmm. came up with Virgin Galactic just laying on his island with his two best friends and looking at the stars and saying... Why can't we have lunch up yeah, there tomorrow? Right. Of course. And and they say because it's too hard, it's too expensive, and it's too mm-hmm. dangerous. And he said, Well, why don't we just start a company that changes those three yeah, obstacles? Yeah. It's really true. So cool. It's a great it's it, it's visionaries. You know, Robert mm-hmm. F. Kennedy once said many people look at things and say why, I look at things and say why not. Right. And and that really is is what Branson encapsulates. By the way, note to you uh nerds out there, fact nerds like myself, and this means a lot to me because um my oldest son has a learning challenge. 
And uh, Branson struggles with dyslexia. I mean, to the point he has a very hard time reading. And, and it hasn't limited the man at all. And I think that's fantastic. Well, he Just talks to, about it a lot. Yes, he does. He says that if he wasn't dyslexic, he would never be here. That's exactly right. And that's because... So that's a badge of honor. I have goosebumps all over me here in the studio. So does Eric, the producer, behind, this, behind <laughs> the glass. Well, those that have to overcome a lot. And if they actually dedicate themselves and overcome these yes. obstacles... yes. I call it built the hustler muscle. Yeah. And that's you good. kind of approach the rest of your life like it's absolutely who cares right. if it's hard, just do it anyway. And so when I started in a totally male dominated industry mm-hmm. at twenty one yeah. in the South. It's crazy. And I didn't even think about it, but they did. They really cared. Oh, and I'm they sure. did not like it. Um I just had to be ten times better mm-hmm. than anybody else. Yeah. I couldn't do this good old boy club, handshake, nothing. I had to have my crap together. That's exactly And so I learned how to walk in excellence and how to continue taking classes and knowing what I'm talking about and being intentional and following up. And you just can't be lazy and have people lend you millions of dollars to get projects off the ground when you're that young and no one, they've never seen someone that looks like you pull it off. Had someone Anyone, even giving me $500 when I was living in my car, I promise you right now I would not be here today. Mm-hmm. That would have been a bailout. And I like to tell the story of the little girl that walks by the cocoon and sees this little tiny head struggling to get out. And then she comes back an hour later and still sees it struggling. And so she says, I'm going to help this butterfly. And so she tears open the cocoon so that it doesn't have to struggle. This beautiful butterfly walks out takes three steps, and falls over and dies. This little girl is mortified, but the butterfly never got the muscle it needed through the struggle to be able to fly. And so you really have to be careful in your giving heart. Who are you enabling to not have the muscle of hustle? Mm, <laughs> like I love about. that muscle of hustle. I really do. Well, I'm I'm just terribly impressed, and I love your passion Folks, she's sitting three feet away from me, and it's oozing into the studio, and I absolutely love that. She is Brittany Turner. The company is Aerial Development Group. Uh, I love that we've got a fellow Nashvillian in here, or I should say a lady Nashvillian. Very good stuff. Thank you for being with us. We're better for this. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Brittany. And, and one of the reasons we showcased her was not just because of her age and the story, but also because of the business and charity combination. This is a growing movement. This is certainly not new. But when you can have a company that gives back in a unique way, that is something to aspire to. And she's certainly doing it. If you'd like to learn more about what she's up to, aerialdevelopmentgroup.com is the website, aerialdevelopmentgroup.com. Well, folks, that looks like that is going to do it for this second podcast. 2016. I want to thank Chris Hogan and Brittany Turner for being with us. Again, I want to mention one more time, if you'd like the goal tracker, text the word HOGAN360 to 33444. On behalf of our producer, Eric Anthony, and the entire Entree Leadership team, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk with you again very soon.